Welcome to the Future Female Leaders Podcast. I'm your host, Nicole Harrop, and it's my mission to help create more female leaders in the workplace. Have you ever had a time in the workplace where you're in a meeting and your boss brings up an opportunity of a project or something to work on and you're thinking, hmm, maybe I could do that, but I don't know if I'm 100% ready. So you don't raise your hand, someone else takes on that project, and you leave that meeting almost kicking yourself thinking, should I have should I have simply raised my hand and got out of my comfort zone? Or is it better not taking the risk at all? In today's episode, I'm excited to bring Grace right on with me, and we're going to talk about exactly that. Stepping into something before you are 100% ready. I'm confident that if you are listening to this episode, you are going to find confidence in raising your hand and stepping up into something that is a little bit unknown because even if you aren't 100% ready, you will get there. And real quick, before we jump into today's episode, I'm going to include a link in the show notes for a digital download to my most recent release of the Ultimate Career Growth Workbook. If you want to get promoted at work and would like to work through some prompts on how to better prepare for that future growth, you're going to want to check out that digital download. Again, it will be linked in the show notes. Okay, let's jump into the episode with Grace. All right, everyone. I have Grace right here with me today. Grace, thanks so much for uh, being a guest on the podcast today. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I've been looking forward to it. Absolutely. And how Grace and I got connected, I'm big on networking and sharing with the audience of where I get connected to all of the different guests that come on here. I happened to scroll on LinkedIn and come across one of her posts that is currently featured on her profile, but it's about the eight things she wishes she knew when she took over a people management role for the first time. And it was clearly a hit. It's had quite a few reactions and comments. Not surprised. It was very thought-provoking. And I have really enjoyed Grace's content in terms of the thoughtfulness and the structure of your posts are really like easy to read and stay engaged with. So uh, I know that that takes some effort and some work. So thank you so much for that. And uh, I reached out to her and said, hey, you know, I'd love to have you on my podcast because this whole theme of kind of jumping in before we feel fully ready, especially as women in the workplace, feels scary or like, how do I know when I can take risks or, you know, push through these, you know, things that might feel a little bit intimidating for me. And I was so excited that she said yes. So I'm excited to have you here today. Yeah. Um, talking about doing things before you're 100% ready about a year, a little bit over a year ago, it was recommended to me that it would really be better if I were more active on LinkedIn uh, as a mouthpiece for the organization and my personal brand. So I've really only been posting about a year, actually. And yeah, the piece you're talking about, the post you're talking about really kind of took on a life of its own. But it's been fun to just get connected like and meet people 
in a real fashion like this face-to-face that came from my LinkedIn network. So definitely a case in point of starting before you're ready. I, I did not feel ready to dive into LinkedIn posting a year ago, but here we are. Yeah, I love that. Well, Grace, I would love for you to introduce yourself to the listeners. Feel free to share personally, professionally, a little bit about yourself. Yeah, sure. I am Grace Wright. I'm the strategy director at Gorilla76. We specialize in deploying revenue-focused marketing programs for B2B manufacturers and startups. Yeah, me, me personally, I feel like I have been thrust into a leadership role definitely before I was ready over the last two years. But before that, I've been at my current organization six years, started as a copywriter in a full-time capacity. But um, even a, a few years before that, I was an intern. So I'm mm-hmm. um, quite the growth in, in, at my current organization. But yeah, me personally, I have a nine-month-old, Eddie. He's very cute, just kind of my whole world for all the parents out there. I'm sure you know how easy this past year has been for me as a new mother. But that that's pretty much my personal life right now is him, but also a big Taylor Swift fan. So loved seeing the Eras Tour film come out last weekend and going to that and everything. So a bit about me. Yeah. Amazing. Thank you so much for sharing that. And yeah, absolutely. So much about, yeah, jumping into something before you feel you're ready and even like you said with LinkedIn, so many people I get that feedback of, I want to show up on there, but I'm not quite sure how because it can feel a little bit scary or overwhelming. And at first you realize maybe not a lot of people are seeing your content and that feels like, well, why should I even post if no one's really seeing it? But then mm-hmm. also using that as that's exactly why I should start posting is because of the fact that I can start to get a little bit more comfortable with maybe my writing style or what it is that I'm exactly sharing about in my particular role. Um, So yeah, I I totally get that. Uh, Well, I wanted to start off by asking, what do you feel holds people back from taking risks and maybe how can individuals overcome some of those barriers? hold people back from taking risks is just kind of that pit in the the bottom of your stomach like it's just really uncomfortable to do something you've never done before um and it's a lot easier in the moment to not take the leap what i've found though is just like i'm happier net doing the hard thing and showing up and taking the moment I know what the next step is, like having the courage and confidence to take it and and fail, yeah. if especially if it's my first time doing something, than I am when I'm in a space and a season of complacency in what I'm doing. And I've just, I've found that to be true in my own life. And I can only speak from my experience, but it's it's really scary to take that step because until you do... There's always, there's always, oh, I could write a best-selling book, but I just haven't done it yet. Yeah. And so it's, there's always that like hopeful counterfactual till you try it and fail. But it, you know, it, it, it often takes multiple tries to, to get there. So if you, if you never take that first stab, you're really just holding yourself back um, from your potential. Yeah. 
What would you say to someone who recognizes, okay, I I want to start taking these risks, uh, but I'm not quite sure what that looks like. What do you say in terms of overcoming or actually taking action? I think you just have to do it. it, it like, I, I know that sounds people, but I, all of us know that thing we're scared to do. Actually, for me, it's things like this speaking. I'm really, really afraid of public speaking. And this year I was just like, anytime I'm asked to do something, I'm just going to do it. (laughs) Because if I want to be good at this, really good at this five years from now, I can't have the first time I do it be, you know, then I need it to be now so that, you know, I'm I'm building and and honing that skill. So I I think just doing it, I, I hate to sound like Nike, but there's just no alternative. <laughs> yeah, and I I love what you're saying there and even sharing some of that vulnerability about public speaking. I tell people all the time some of my first episodes that people still, you know, like that's a scroll. That's a quite a scroll on your phone to go back to, you know, first episodes of any podcast and if someone's going to scroll back to the beginning of mine, the same thing where you know, maybe my audio wasn't as great or the the way that I structure my episodes, for example, and I've tested and tried different things over the years as well. So like you said, it is kind of getting out there and doing it. And what I would add to that is who is in your corner? I think as I've uh, progressed into entrepreneurship and Uh, trying new things in this realm, you know, I was really confident and comfortable in the corporate world and in the leadership roles that I held. And then moving into this new space for me, slightly different because I'm still teaching all of the same concepts and topics. But the way that I'm, you know, now selling myself instead of representing a a company that I work for, it's now my company. So it feels a little bit different, like the stakes feel higher. And what I've noticed is the people who I'm surrounding myself with makes such a difference because they are the ones saying, I know you can do this because, and then they share things that I've accomplished or that I've done that mm-hmm. help me realize, oh yeah, you're right. Like I have done those things. Like I, I needed that little pep talk on the sidelines before I jumped back into the game. Would you say that's like a similar experience for you? I'm someone who's definitely benefited from those around me seeing in myself what I was unable to see. Like mm-hmm. a good example of that was um, about at this point, two years maybe, two years ago. ago. Um, I was in a performance review and um, it was like, well, what are your goals over the, the next year? And it was like, you know, I, I just, I really want to get a little bit better at paid search and I'm going to be doing this and doing this certification and I'm going to be. And I want to get a little bit better at this. And I want to get a little bit better at that. My manager at the time like cut me off. He was like, you're thinking way too small for yourself. You're already good at those things. Like, what do you have to gain by further investment in those skills? Like, he was like, you, you should be thinking about taking my job, which is something I had never envisioned for myself. And I now have his job <laughs> in half for a while and, and can talk about that experience. but. I think to your point, it's really important who you surround yourself with and what voices you listen to. Because, like, I could have had the same experience with a different manager who 
continually undermined me or told me I wasn't good at this, that, or the other. And like, how different would my career have been? And so I think you have to be careful who you surround yourself with. And if you feel like you're in an organization in an environment where you're continually either being put in situations that don't play to your strengths or you're surrounded by people who don't have your best interests at heart, I think to your to your point, finding your people in your career is very important. Yeah. I think that's why so many people struggle when they have like this bad boss, right? That kind of like the whole reason why I started building my company was to help help companies invest in their employees sooner so that we can help provide more of these supportive systems, you know, match team members to leaders more efficiently or in a way that they do feel supported. And yeah, I I totally agree with with the idea of surrounding yourself with people who really want the best for you and can help push you a little bit and encourage you like you shared in that example with your boss saying, hey, like those are those are great goals, I guess. But like, let's think a little bit bigger. And you hadn't thought about that. And what if he simply said, OK, cool, and didn't do anything else? Would you be where you're at today? Maybe, maybe not, maybe a little bit longer down the road. Uh, so it's really cool to have that supportive system uh, mm-hmm. to help us get to those goals a little faster. Definitely. And I, I think too, like you have to be critical about how you're showing up for other people because like to establish the type of relationship where someone's going to call you out or like, like requires a baseline of trust. And so like, yeah, I don't know, like you need to add value in the relation, like the, you know, relationships that you have so that it's reciprocal, I guess. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. It's like, it's. And I think a common maybe misconception or maybe it's something that maybe more at this entry level that I focus on aren't really thinking as much about is, you know, if if it's this top down structure, shouldn't they be like lifting me up? You know, those pictures that we see that are so old school now, the posters that used to, you know, have like the the person like pulling the other person up the wall or whatever, <laughs> uh, kind of those like motivational exactly posters and stuff. Point. Some of the audience might be like, what are you talking about? But yeah, like kind of that thought that someone's supposed to lift me up. And yes, mm-hmm. as a leader, of course, it's kind of what you are expected or want to do in these roles. But like you're saying, Grace, it's also coming to the table and adding value and, you know, sharing, hey, this is where I see our team could improve or, hey, can I give you some feedback about how Maybe you can continue to be an even better leader to maybe the women on our team based on how you're speaking. And it's like that feedback that can feel a little like touchy or maybe risky to share when you build that foundation of a relationship where you have that trust. There is kind of that mutual feedback that you can have, which it sounds like in your case has definitely paid off in your in terms of the growth in your career. Mm-hmm. And it's I think it's difficult to deliver that type of feedback to someone else. Mm-hmm. But the way I look at it is, you know, it is in fact not kind to have a thought about how someone you care about could improve and not share it. Yeah. So true. And again, it's like then that delivery, right? 
Mm-hmm. Which sometimes we get wrong and it's okay. We learn and, and we try again. <laughs> That's why it's it's good when it's people that we do trust and we're building those relationships with such good feedback. On the note of people saying maybe I'm not ready yet and using that, like I did that for years for my own business of saying like, oh, you know, later, someday, maybe like I know I want to do this, but again, I'm not ready yet, mostly because I'm scared of the unknown, right? Mm -hmm. So for these people who say I'm not ready yet, what would you recommend for people who are saying that to do so they're able to feel more confident maybe in that readiness itself? Mm -hmm. I think it's just like defining whatever that next step is just to dive in. Like for you, it was having the courage to record your first podcast when you had never done it before. Or, and I, I think it doesn't have to be big things. It's not like go out, make a big career change or anything. I think you can build trust with yourself in small ways. Like the, these are going to sound trivial, but like a few years ago, I was like discontented with how little I was reading. And I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to commit to reading every night. And it, it's not going to be like I'm an English major. So it's like, no, it's not going to be like literary fiction, like the best novels of America type thing. I'm just going to read like the murder mystery that I actually want to read and not put pressure on that. And just developing that habit since setting that goal. I mean, I've read hundreds of books and it's just starting small and building that momentum. Other things that I've done with just a similar approach or I quit drinking two years ago and it was just like what if I just didn't drink this month and just um, kind of taking it a day at a time and same thing with posting on LinkedIn it was just like let me build the habit of I don't these don't have to be the best posts in the whole entire world but let Mm -hmm. me just carve out 30 minutes three times a week and if I finish a post great if I don't and the timer goes off it's you know, not, nothing lost. And and now I've grown from like 500 followers to 8,000. And so it's like, I think it's just those small things. And like when you feel, I used to just say no, I think, to a lot of things. And now it's like, what what would happen if I said yes? I was speaking at a conference next <laughs> January and I'm like so nervous about that. But even if I like fail, it, which you all might <laughs> see that that happened very well but you know it's only going to be in front of a couple hundred people and after that whether it goes well or it doesn't I have that experience to build off of and mm-hmm. same thing with accepting my role my, my leadership role where I'm, I'm leading the strategy department I'm defining our product how we go to market for clients and I certainly didn't feel ready but I was like what what if I said yes can all these people I trust really be wrong about me and my potential so and it's turned out fine. Yeah. <laughs> That's such such great examples. And I wrote that down. You know, what what would happen if I say yes? What could happen if I say yes? I love that thought process because typically when we get approached with a bigger idea and we think, oh my gosh, that next level of in my career, you know, I'm not ready yet. And I hear this Often I was speaking with like a sales development representative recently and I was like, hey, you know, what are your goals in your career? And he said, you know, I'm going to spend a couple of years in this role and then I'm going to move to this. And then, you know, I'm building this while I so I can prepare for that next step. 
or someone who has said, you know, I want to go off and do coaching, but I, I need to have a certain amount of years working in the corporate world to be relevant. And for both of those, I kind of pushed back a little and said, like, why, why do you have to have like this super long timeline before you give yourself permission to, to step into that thing you want to do? You know, sure, within a career from a, an SDR perspective to maybe the account executive, maybe there are absolutely some steps to get there. But think about at a startup compared to maybe more well-established company, the, the timelines are com- could be completely different. It's not saying you have to be in this role a certain amount of time within a certain company before you can qualify for more. So mm-hmm. I try to challenge these people kind of in this sense that we're doing today in this episode of I'm not ready yet. Okay, well, what is that next small step to help you mm-hmm. get there? And how can I challenge my own beliefs? That's what I've been doing a lot lately is how do I challenge some of my own beliefs? Because I've had people tell me, even for the business that I'm growing of, hey, this isn't going to be successful. Companies won't find value in what you have to offer. And I have to understand like, okay, like that's your point of view. You are not my people. Thank you for clarifying that right now. And I'm going to go find people who are my people and who are going to help me find ways to find those yeses versus the people who are simply telling me no. And it can be hard when that's like within your own family or like parents, you know, they especially who are in these older generations of, you know, working at jobs they hated because it simply provided income for them, right? Or they want us to go to college or do things that are a little bit more of like an expected route to success versus something that might feel really scary to them because they've never seen it be successful within their own sphere. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I feel like so many people, myself in the past included, like wait for permission or like almost external validation, like, hey, you are finally qualified and relevant to go start your coaching business. And that's like, there's no career fairy that goes around like tapping people like the time has come it's time for the next step like like you can start taking yourself seriously today and take that next step today and there's no one stopping you and if you fail it's you're still miles away ahead of the people on the couch essentially Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely Such a great segue into the next question, Grace, is what are the benefits of taking that risk before you feel ready, right? I love the whole idea of, you know, this career fairy, you know, that doesn't exist to come around and give you that permission. Uh, What are some of those benefits of taking a risk maybe that you've uh, personally experienced? Yeah, I mean, I was at a lot of imposter syndrome kind of backing up. I the the journey I've taken to get where I am. I I've been with the company about six years. I started as your run of the mill copywriter, and just kind of I I feel like in my career I'm just kind of wandering around in a dark room with a flashlight. I I typically like know what that next step is, but I never know what like ten steps from now are. I have no idea. If you ask me where I'm going to be in ten years, I just don't know. 
So I, I was a copywriter and I just kind of was like, you know, I, I like this role. I'm good at it, but there's just something that I feel like is missing. And when I just kind of audited what was bringing me energy and what was not bringing me energy in my role, I was just kind of like, you know, I'm backseat driving a lot of the strategy of, of my clients and, you know, strategists would book time with me before they had a client presentation. And I just kind of was like, you know, couldn't maybe bet on myself and do that job. And so a role opened up and I was like, I called my boss and was like, you know, it's going to be a bit unconventional, but I'd like to throw my hat in the ring for that. Interviewed for it, got it, and did a lot, a lot, a lot of learning on the job. And I was just like, it, it just constantly reading and learning and, and everything. It was a big season of pushing myself and growing. And I was certainly not ready. <laughs> and day one, there, I, I think that I... I there was definitely a lot more I didn't know than I thought at, at the outset. Mm-hmm. Um, but by nature, just doing the job, I was proving it. I I, I could do it. Um, just kind of success after success. And then I, I had a lot of imposter syndrome. I moved into the strategy role and then quickly was running the department. I, I felt a lot of imposter syndrome about that. Mm-hmm. And then I I finally was just kind of like, you know, if I proceed with a lack of confidence in the way I'm approaching the problems that I'm tackling every day, I'm spending twice as much time making a judgment call as I should, which is making me less effective. Yeah. If I seem less than confident, um, I'm not going to be an effective leader. If And all of those things. And I was like, you know, I'm proving myself right if I act in that way. And so just kind of like giving myself permission to feel like I'm good at my role at, and and explore what that means to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I like what you're saying there of having that self-reflection. I feel like in this corporate world, it seems like it is go, go, go all the time. And a lot of that like stress or burnout is because maybe we don't stop and think about our day-to-day or where our career path is going. And I like what you're saying of, yeah, I had some reflection on how I wanted to be as this leader and I wanted to show up as confident. And so I'm I'm imagining that it wasn't just like, oh, I'm I'm deciding to be confident and therefore I'm confident. It probably took some you know, talking with friends or loved ones or, you know, diving even into, like you said, like you reading more and looking into professional development books to help you again, like find that confidence. Because for me, I love some of this professional development and especially with podcasting and books is I I listen. And when I hear other people share similar like thoughts, viewpoints, ideas as me, I'm like, okay, I'm on the same path. Or if they're sharing something that's totally new to me, I'm thinking, okay, this is something I can further explore. So I like that you're sharing about having a little bit of that reflection and, you know, still stepping into that. And you even uncovered something in addition to that, Grace, where you said, I stepped into this role. I was a little bit, you know, not fully ready, but I was curious. And so I applied. So you're taking action that was like next steps, which is perfect. And then you're like, and it was even a little bit more challenging that, than I anticipated when I did do it. I saw what they were doing. I liked it. It seemed a little more challenging. 
But then I jumped into it and it was like even more challenging than it anticipated. Can you go into that a little bit better or sorry, a little bit more and kind of how you worked through that? I think there's how something appears from the outside and there's how it actually is. And as someone who has done a career change, I know that firsthand and I know that, you know, it, it, strategists don't know how hard copywriters jobs are and because they've never done it. I, I have and copywriters don't know how hard strategists jobs are. I've done both. And so I, there's how something appears from the outside and there's how it is. Moving from the strategy role as an individual contributor to the strategy director as the leader of a department, I think the biggest shock to my system was just as an individual contributor, you're still having to prioritize your tasks, operators, leader, all of those types of things, but you have tasks that are given to you. And it's very clear if you are or are not doing your job or if you are or are not doing a, a good job. Um, as a leader, my job is much more ambiguous. Is my is my team set up for success? Are they doing their job? Like that that's a big portion of my job is just setting my team up for success with the environment okay. and processes and documentation and coaching necessary for them to be successful, as well as <laughs> doing what you and I had chatted about earlier in terms of like naming the uniqueness I see in them and the things that I think they can grow in and setting up the opportunities for them to do that. Like, is my team performing in their base job? Are they growing to where they want to be in the future? So that's kind of one portion of my job. The other portion of my job is, are we profitable as a business? Like, are we, I'm, I'm in charge or in, in part in charge of our product, like what services we provide to clients and why? Are we able to execute on those services profitably? That's a big part of, of my job and my accountability. Also, I'm responsible for is that product, how we're servicing our clients, is that getting them to the results that they want to get to in terms of revenue, in terms of pipeline from the marketing program we're deploying for them? So it's a lot of big, meaty bullseyes that I'm going after. And, you know, I, I could work 100 hours and find something to do with every single one of those hours. And I'm just not going to do that with a nine month old. So no one tells me what I'm supposed to do of a day. I just have to figure it out. And it's kind of like, are we profitable? Are our clients hitting the results they need to be? What's how is morale in my team? Are they growing the ways they want to go over time? And it's just much harder to map to those things. And it was, a, it was a huge shock to my system. The first couple of months, I found myself constantly asking for feedback from people on my team. Am I, am I doing a good job? Am I being a good teacher? Which I laugh to think about now because, like, that's not their job. <laughs> right. I, I, I'm not, I need to establish that trust so that they can give me feedback and tell them the anonymous ways they can provide feedback about me. But, like, if I'm consistently asking for feedback. Am I doing a good job? Am I doing a good job? That's not a good leader. And, you know, I was constantly asking my bosses, the founders of the company, like, am I doing a good job? Is this what I should be focusing on? But then if I'm bringing them into everything, I'm not doing my job either. So it, that was probably the biggest struggle and point of growth in the first couple of months. And then yeah. a couple of months in, I was like, you know, I've got to stop, get out of this feedback loop and accept that there's a possibility I'm actually just doing a good job. Uh-huh. 
And, you know, all, all of the evidence I have supports that. And the more I go in this vicious cycle of seeming not confident, it's self-fulfilling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for going into more detail. I think people relate to that of, you know, what would it be like if I jumped into that and how could I potentially work through it? So you shared such great feedback and tips of how someone could think about that because you're right. People leadership versus individual contributor is so different on how you're measured and what success looks like. And such a good point to talk with your leader about what does success look like for me in this role? Maybe it's that whole 30, 60, 90 day plan in transition because you said, you know, those first couple of months, really, you were trying to understand if you're doing a good job. But what was that that you were working towards? And at yeah. some point, you kind of self-led in the sense of, you know what, this is not helpful. I probably wouldn't want this happening for me with my leader. So I'm going to change this. And you kind of took some of that direction. But if someone's in that kind of cycle, you can definitely reach out to your own leader and say, hey, you know, if I'm if I'm worried, if I'm actually succeeding, help me understand what success looks like for my team and give me things that, of course, aren't necessarily always metrics. But, you know, if your team is happy and, you know, you're having less turnover for your team, that's a great metric to work towards. And and how do you then take that idea and put it into how do I want to lead my people so that they don't want to leave or that I love on them so much that they when they do have opportunities, it's a struggle because they they know how great it is working here. Yeah, I, there's something or uh, at Girl, our senior employee success executive, Elise, um, she's fabulous. I feel really lucky that I get to work with her. But she says something and I'm, I'm sure it comes from somewhere else. I, I have no idea how, how these. But she says all the time, like curiosity and anxiety can't coexist. Mm -hmm. And I really love that statement because it's like what by feeding into these anxious thoughts that I'm not doing a good job, which goes against evidence that I've gotten, yeah. what I'm, I'm actually eating into the time of like curiosity around like, what is my vision for mapping towards these high level goals? What is my vision for my team? And I'm eating into that mind space and that time that I could be spending. One thing that I've found better success with rather than like continual feedback, tell me what I could be, you know, <laughs> what I should start doing or stop doing, which is is beneficial to have every now and then, but pr probably not every one-on-one. -on -one. Right. Um, <laughs> what I've found success with is managing upward. I have a meeting on the books every six months because the nature of my role as the director of a department where I am helping to define our product, I need to be moving in the direction that the owners of the company want me to be moving in. And if I'm not doing that, I'm not doing my job. So I'm, I have a biannual meeting on the books with both of the owners where I'm resetting, like, here's what I basically, here's what I focused on last six months. Here's my vision for what I'm going to be working on. Are there any times when I made the wrong judgment call? Is there anything you into that I should not be bringing you into? And I found that to be more successful. And on the flip side, kind of just thinking in a quarterly cadence with my team about what our biggest issues are, what projects I need to be working on over the next quarter, as well as just in their reviews, like not just having it be one-way feedback about 
but like what what should I start doing or stop doing? What should we as an as a department start doing or stop doing? And actually listen to each other. Yeah, absolutely. Now let's say because this one comes up a lot for me when I am working with women, especially. They say, right, we talk about, hey, more confidently raise your hand on a project uh, to volunteer for that maybe you don't really feel super comfortable right in the moment, but you want to get yourself out there. You want to get your feet a little bit wet in certain ways. So maybe they raised their hand. They got confident in that moment to say, I want to help on this project. And it ended up maybe being seen as a failure or didn't go as they planned. How would you recommend someone going about recovering from something like that? Mm-hmm. I think recovering is maybe even the wrong word choice. Yeah. Like, okay. this, again, this is a quote from someone I'm sure smarter than I am, um, but I, I love it. It's a, a, a failure is the tuition for success or something. Yeah. Fine. So it's like, you know, it is not a failure. You put yourself out there. Like, you know more now than if you never threw your hat in the ring for that project. So, like, why did it fail? Can you think about, like, what could have contributed to that? And also, I know for myself, I tend to focus on, like, my failure. But sometimes it's the situation was kind of an unwinnable hand. And mm-hmm. so, like, if you were to approach that project in the future, what circumstances from an outside perspective, would do you think you would need for it to be successful? So not just nitpicking yourself, but also thinking how could you set that project up at the outset um, for success? So I don't think recovering yeah. from it, but if there is the optics and the image portion of it, which is so important to your career. It's not only what have I done, but do the people who manage me know that I added the value in that way? Does my team know that I stepped in and did xyz from that perspective i think just if it is perceived as a major failure by the team just soliciting feedback showing that you're open to that mm-hmm. listening to it acting on it in future projects because there there could be things that you need to work on but again you never put yourself in that situation before so now you know what your shortcomings are in that in that type of scenario so just showing that you're willing to learn and and improve Yeah, I think an important piece here, too, is the team that you work with, I think, makes a big impact here because I've worked at companies that are, you know, maybe more well-established, set in their ways, so to say. So, you know, even, for example, I took on an an, an initiative and it didn't go the way that the leaders had anticipated. And so that was something that was difficult for me to overcome in terms of that perceived failure where like I was trying new things I was challenging you know the norm and so it worked but not in the way that the company saw that as progress Mm -hmm. or hey like we're so glad you tested and tried these different things and it didn't work which probably means the current process we have is good You know, that's we're learning things by testing and challenging it. Whereas when I worked in startups, that fail fast mentality was very much embraced because the faster we get to failure, right, that next fork in the road, that's when we can determine, like, do we go right or left? And then if we take the the path towards the right, thinking that that's the correct path 
and we quickly get to a dead end, meaning that that was not the path, that's better to know than to keep going down that path right forever and ever and then realizing at some point, oh my gosh, we got so far off course. This actually isn't where we wanted to go. So then turning around, you know, and thinking of like the actual sense of like traveling, you have to travel back to that um, that that fork to get back on the track that was actually a better choice. So do you feel like having a team or maybe what what's most impactful in terms of that whole maybe learning from a failed project? Well, it. I'm glad you brought that up because like team culture and company culture matter so much to how you should respond in a situation like that. And there certainly are cultures in which there is a blame game that ensues after a failed project. And it's very much a culture of fear and don't mess up. I've been fortunate enough to only hear about (laughs) those types of cultures and never having actually worked in one of those. I would say if that sounds like your company, I would just... I think you should critically ask if that's the company you should be at if you want to enter a season of growth. Mm -hmm. I think that that would just inhibit your potential, like the potential of your career to stay there. You you have to think of yourself as a free agent, I think. Mm -hmm. Like, do you have to stay, like, is staying at this company inhibiting your growth? Such great thoughts and feedback in terms of, you know, not seeing something that you've taken on as a failure and I think it's also important to take a moment. Sometimes, you know, myself, I might react a little bit more emotionally in the moment and be really hard on myself. So I have to take a moment, especially if a boss is trying to give me feedback right then after I feel like I've failed. Sometimes I've had to ask, hey, do you mind if we have this conversation tomorrow? You know, I need a moment to or the day to be able to work through some of my feelings, work through kind of where I went wrong or where this went wrong, and then stepping into kind of the facts and the stories that we tell ourselves. Because yes, I've been in the place where I'm like, oh my gosh. And then I deem myself like I am a failure, not like this project is a failure and like I am learning from it. So when I take a step, even like sleep on it overnight and then think about the facts like you're mentioning, What did I learn from this? What benefits did it bring to the company for me to approach it in this way and find out that that wasn't going to work out well? Did we learn things from it? And be able to articulate that I think is so important because if our leader maybe isn't the type that's going to dive in a little bit deeper with us to say, hey, what did you learn? Like, let's talk through this. It's okay that this didn't work out. But like, what did we learn from it? is huge. And like you said, if you don't have that at your organization, it's important to consider, is it worth staying at? Is that a company that you want to grow with that is going to reprimand you for trying new things and to be innovative or growth mindset, challenging that norm? So yeah, fact and story. I tell myself a lot of crazy stories when things go awry. So it's like, okay, what are the facts? Taking all of the emotions out of it, then what? Like, what did I learn? What if this, I put someone else in my place? You know, what if it was, you know, my other team member who was in the same situation? What would I tell them to try to give myself a little bit more grace as well? Love that. Couldn't have said it better myself. (laughs) Well, the last thing I wanted to ask maybe is a little bit more around like mentors. We've talked a lot about surrounding yourself with great people who 
can help lift you up in the workplace. How do you think mentors maybe play a role in helping someone step into either volunteering for a project or to take that risk? I feel like so much emphasis is put on like you have to have a single mentor who changes everything and like there's so much pressure on that relationship. I think it's just surrounding yourself with people who are where you want to be, learning from them, whether it's on LinkedIn or kind of someone at your company who you are like, man, if I could just have a modicum of their confidence or their technical ability and just like pulling them in for a coffee or or something mm-hmm. like that. Just surrounding yourself with people who believe in you. I I also think like it's not necessarily traditional <laughs> mentorship, but I think just continual learning and like reading. And if you feel like you need to skill up in something, just yeah, just kind of having a growth mindset and and pursuing your own learning on something. Another thing that's been powerful for me personally mm-hmm. is in that kind of season of self-doubt I was talking about um, earlier, one thing I did, I mean, check and see if you have a professional development fund for you. We do at Gorilla, um, which is really nice. Um, but I requested to be part of a leadership training in St. Louis, Women in Leadership through Focus St. Louis. And that was just really nice in the sense that, you know, not, none of the women there had my exact career path or like or anything like that but we'd all been in tough conversation we had big seasons of growth themselves so I was able to workshop talking points for difficult conversations with them or run someone who doesn't work in my company who doesn't you know isn't as invested just kind of walk them through certain things and it was just really powerful to have that network to pull from of like real people who know my first name, who like I just have that rapport with to pull in and ask questions and, and draw from too. So not, I guess, your capital M mentors, but you know, just kind of who you surround yourself with. Yeah. And I think that's super important to kind of like sometimes, especially on LinkedIn, we all kind of do it to a degree of providing our version of guidance and sometimes you'll see certain people share things that are very much like one way or the other or like you have to do this or you will fail right so I always say I teach in a try it on method of hey this is what we're recommending today we're talking about taking risks before you feel ready and what that looks like and surrounding yourself with a a good company be good people that support system And then maybe even that C part is being willing to have some self-reflection and take some action on your own too and figuring that out. So I like what you're saying that a mentor doesn't need to be someone who is in your workplace. It could be someone like I see mentors and authors of books that I really like that have no idea who I even am, right? But they are a mentor type figure to me or the different places that I've learned such helpful things that aren't a typical kind of setup like you're mentioning. And you found that because you kind of got out of your comfort zone, maybe to a degree of even asking like, hey, we have this professional development fund. I would love to go to this event. That's a big ask because they could say no. And then and then what? You know, what are the stories we tell ourselves from there? But they said, yeah, absolutely. And you got connected with such powerful, helpful individuals who could 
ex- who have lived similar enough experiences for you to feel seen and heard and validated and have some sort of like path forward and an ongoing connection, I would imagine, too. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, Grace, this was such a great conversation today. Thanks so much for joining us. And yeah, I very much appreciated the conversation. Yeah, that was a ton of fun. Thank you for having me. All right, friends. Thank you so much for hanging out until the very end of the episode, tuning in and hearing all of the great things Grace had to share today. I hope it gives you hope and excitement and confidence to say yes, maybe before you're feeling 100% ready. And if you can start leaning into, I'm even 60% there or 80% there, getting closer in that right direction, you are going to be growing in your career faster than you could have ever imagined. And don't forget, I have that digital download linked in the show notes. I would love for you to check out the Ultimate Career Growth Workbook in the digital format. It also has links to all of the great podcast episodes. So if you love the questions that are included, you will also be able to check out previous episodes that those questions and the topics were themed around. I always appreciate your support and thanks again for tuning in. Until next time, we'll see you later.